Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. January camp kicks off on Saturday in Bradenton, Florida, that theater of dreams in American soccer. There will be a match at the end of the month, rumored to be against Serbia. A Serbian a Serbian domestic team. Oh, uh, yeah. Which I'll have to do some looking as we get closer to the game to see uh, just how low on their sort of depth chart we're getting, we're talking about with their domestic pool. Yeah. I have to, yeah, that, that's a good point. I have to admit... I've been sort of mesmerized lately by the increasing instability of our Republic and haven't paid as close attention to this January camp as I should, but you have Greg, I I see your Slack messages. You've been paying close attention and I think I can be of some service as a sidekick here. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a bit of a roller coaster, especially for you, given your, your new digs in Georgia. Uh, Yeah. Lots to quickly becoming the best state in the union and then, (laughs) And then just a lot has happened. There's been a lot of 2021 and 2021 so far. Yeah, it's been crazy, man. But we won't, you know, you can hear about that basically everywhere else in the world right now. So before we get into the the January camp roster, let's talk quickly about Mark McKenzie's move to Gink, a former club of one, Kevin De Bruyne. Transfer market says it was a $6 million fee, although that's not official. It's probably in the ballpark. And um, this fits the grand narrative of MLS becoming a selling league and the ascendancy of American soccer. I like it. Will he play? Will he play for Gink, Greg? Uh, I'm I'm weighing in right away with a firm yes. Uh, Mark McKenzie's going to play for Gink. Where do you stand on it? I I know only what uh, I learned from you. I think you said this was the um, third highest transfer in their history as a club. Yeah, someone, uh, somebody else had posted that. I believe it was overrun in midfield on Twitter. Um, I'm, and anyway, I mean, he, he posted the transfer market list. So uh, third third largest fee paid for a player, I think, in Gank's history. Um, all of them coming in the last couple of years. Uh, and more importantly, just th- what their depth chart looks like right now. Uh, Gank play like a 3-4-3, so they're using three center backs every game. But they only have, at this point, three center backs on their roster who have played in any game. So they're using the same three center backs for every minute of every game. Uh, and they're about to enter into an incredibly congested uh, run of matches. So they're going to be playing a game every three days for the next month. They just spent $6 million on a center back. They only have the exact number of center backs so far that they play. So I think if even if McKenzie's not an immediate upgrade on one of them, it's very likely that he could be. Uh, he's still going to get, I think, thrown right into a rotation where he's going to be playing. Yeah. 90 minutes a week. I'm, I'm predicting at least 90 minutes a week here for the, for the next month. That's awesome. I mean, that's great news. And um, again, great news that uh, a franchise like Philadelphia is developing and then selling players for good money, money that money that you can use. And uh, it's awesome. So let's go yeah, to the, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see it. let's go to the, let's go to the rosters. Uh, there are two of them, of course, the, what you're calling the grown-up roster, and then the U23 roster. Well, because we've had these uh, we've done camps now for the for all of 2020, January 2020, and then November in Europe, and then December in uh, Florida, but they were all mixed. It was all mingling. So you had super skewing really young. I mean, it's incredibly young how, how it's incredible how young these rosters have skewed in 2020. I think the average age of the players, of the outfield players called in, was like 22 for all three of those camps. It's outrageous. Um, but yeah, so in this case, we've had a full differentiation now of 
the youth players here, every youth player, every U23 player is in one group, and then all of the non-youth eligible players start out together. I'm sorry, I just can't resist this. When you see the young rosters, all you have to do is just a little bit of research, and then you'll see that that Greg Berhalter is going to be the, the coach in 2026. This is why it's all happening. It's all happening. It's all coming together. We just have to wait for Q to give us the Q, and we run at Soccer House in 2024. It's all coming together. No, I mean, it is It is cool. It is cool that there's been so many young rosters. And it does kind of make, I mean, in all seriousness, it does kind of make you think, you know, Berhalter is coaching for the long haul here, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't even think you have to interpret it that way. I think coaching for the near term, coaching for, I mean, I've, I've said this a lot, even coaching for 2022, this is, these are the guys you should be thinking about and, and knowing that they're going to jump the, the fringe elements of the of the missing generation. That's true. That's true. Are we calling them fringe elements? Can we use fringe elements? <laughs> yeah, we to can. Discuss things today. <laughs> yeah, we can. We can. All right. So, should you want me to read off the roster here? Yeah. So we got the grown up roster. Let's go by position, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with omissions for each position group too. Okay. I'll give the I'll give the people who are there. You give the omission. How about that? Right. Uh, at goalkeeper, Matt Turner and Sean Johnson. So Bill Hamid, the, the obvious omission, he was just in December camp. Now Turner and Johnson weren't, neither of them were available for that camp. Um, but I think this sort of cements the fact that Hamid is very much a placeholder amongst placeholders. Okay. At center back, uh, Aaron Long, Walker Zimmerman, and I guess Tristan, Tristan Blackman, he plays he plays some right back for LAFC. Yeah, I put him at the center back. I'm not really sure where he's going to end up or whether he'll play at all in this camp. Um, but then the guys, the defender's missing. Uh, Chase Gasper, who had a, a really nice year with Minnesota and was someone I expected to to get a look, and this would be the opportunity to do it, left off. Uh, and then um, Greg Berhalter veterans, Daniel Lovitz and Nick Lima. Yeah, that's that's interesting that they're not going to be there. I mean, Gasper's maybe the most interesting, like you said. Why do you think Blackman's there? I mean, he, this, is, this is his first call-up, right? Yeah, I, I honestly have no clue. Uh, it, it's not like we're, we're searching for a for a uh, more right backs, I mean, we'll we'll always take talent where it's there, but it's not as though Blackman has somehow emerged as a as a real possibility for right back. So, again, really not sure whether it's just sort of a nice pat on the back, but it's it's a bit of a mystery. This one placeholder among placeholders, <laughs> and I guess that's all the defenders. That's all the defenders in the camp. Just three: Long Zimmerman and Blackman. We don't even have a left back in the grown up camp, and then. Um, Midfielders, we've got Sebastian Legette, Christian Roldan makes his reappearance on the national team, and then Kellen Acosta. Yeah, the guys left out here are Michael Bradley and Will Trapp, uh, and it, uh, we'll get into it in a little bit, but that's that's a bit of a big deal. I know they weren't in any of the 2020 camps. We had the January camp and the uh, December camp, which were both domestic players, um, but it's still, it's still meaningful here, especially when we're talking about uh, a camp that has 12 players on the list. Yeah. Well, do you want to not, you don't want to get into it now? You want to wait and get into it later? No, we'll, we're going to, yeah, we're going to run through all of them at once. Okay. We'll, <laughs> do, then, the big, we'll do the big picture uh, after. Okay. And then uh, wingers, I guess, would be Jordan Morris, Paul Ariola, and Chris Mueller. So the guy, the guy I listed as, as sort of the omission here, uh, it would have been a reach, but would have been Tyler Boyd. Um, very much not doing things in Turkey at the moment. Uh, 
Now, I know there were reports that he would be eligible to be sort of re-registered with the team in January, but to nothing I've heard suggests that happens. He hasn't been with uh, Besiktas in either of their two matches that they've played so far in 2021. So I was I was curious if we'd maybe see, like, Berhalter throw him a lifeline for this camp. Didn't happen, or yeah. or wasn't possible. I'm, I'm at the point where I sort of starting to feel bad for Tyler Boyd because he could have— you know he could have been a star for New Zealand, and uh, and and it doesn't look like he's going to get that many more caps for the U.S. And he's cap tied. Yeah, hold hold that thought. Let's let's get to the strikers. Okay, Josie Altidore is the only striker in this camp. Good to see him back. And um, who are the omissions? So it came out that Giazzi Zardes is recovering from a minor injury. Uh, which is why he was left off, and and I think it was expressly said that he would have been in camp had that not been the case. Uh, and then in the similar vein as Tyler Boyd, uh, I've listed Aaron Johansson because he is no longer uh, a part of Hammerby's side. The the Swedish season is over, and they've you know they uh, made it very clear that he is not, or he made it clear that he's not returning. So I thought maybe again a chance for a for a, a lifeline, bring him to camp, see what he's got, but. Same thing with Boyd, not happening, not possible, one of the two. I don't know why. Was was he, like, released by Hammerby? His tr- contract is up? or So I think his contract was up, and I believe he was essentially not interested in so- re-signing with them, and he was going to explore probably, probably like, trying to step up in competition. He's got himself back healthy uh, playing in Sweden. He's scoring goals for fun in Sweden. And so I think th- I think the plan would be to see if, if that translates up. Yeah. Okay. So there's the so there's the grown up roster. Only twelve names, like you said. Twelve names. A lot of guys left off. And if you take all those guys, and a lot of these are Berhalter veterans. Uh, and if you take those guys and threw them into this group, you'd be approaching something close to a full roster and like a functional camp. Uh, but that's that's definitely not what we've done. Yeah, it's a it's it. I, when you put it like that, it's a turning of the page, is it not? It feels like it, right? Uh, I mean, we could, or, or we could have done that, or we could have taken some of the sort of key or already identified U23 players uh, and started them in the senior in the senior pool, um, and then done the same thing and brought up some U23s as they went, uh, but didn't do that either. So why didn't we do that? Uh, Maybe we should have ask that question with regard to one specific player, Jackson Ewell. Like, why is he not? Why is he not on this grown-up roster? Why is he? We'll talk about him later, but he's in the U, with the U23s. What's going on there? So I, I feel like there's two different reads on it, and and I'm sure there'd be more. But the two I kind of settled on was either Berhalter is very much just wanting to uh, let Jason Kreiss establish like a U23 squad to take to qualifying, and you want to keep that group together and figure out uh, how they're going to play. And you know, Ewell's if maybe you already know Ewell is sort of like your centerpiece midfielder there. Uh, and so that's the priority, uh, or, and what I'm hoping it is, is more of like a situation where it's just going to be a full on U23 battle Royale, uh, down in Florida and the survivors advance to the advance to the senior team for the last week of training leading up to Serbia. Yeah, baby. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it could, it also be, could a third reading be that, um, or like an addendum to one of those readings would be, <laughs> would be that. You know, Berhalter has shifted from, uh, at least to some extent, shifted to having a midfield that is like higher energy. And, you know, Tyler Adams can start at the six. We don't need this sort of deep lying distributor. 
and therefore Yule has dropped in the pecking order and is is you know has to join in this battle royale whereas like six months ago maybe he would be automatically in in with the grown-ups yeah I, th- I think very much so and i think i think a lot of that can go into even if even if berhalter still really likes you and, and again he started in the december camp uh even if he really likes you still th- it still i think would serve the purpose of of sort of putting everyone on that level playing field in that battle royale to start with so sure maybe you i mean vines has been in the last two domestic camps uh he jumps in with the u23s Everyone now starting in the same place to really fight for those spots side by side, sort of, uh, I believe the phrase going around is trial by combat. Like you're going to, you're really going to like uh, earn your way in. And if, and, and that kind of goes into why it's only a 12 man camp for the, for the grownups, because if you had all those sort of fringe players, the Lovitzes and the traps, if you had those guys there, there would be nowhere for these U23s to then slide in. You're not going to bring, love it's and trap into camp for three weeks and be like okay thanks for your time fellas now you can go home we're giving your spots away to these kids uh you know burr a big culture guy and i think that would be detrimental to the culture um so instead you just you leave the spots open it that's the that's the big prize everyone it's it's as visible as can be we're bringing 12 more players in like mm-hmm. we know we're doing that it's your job to earn it and and by keeping all the 23s together you have them all on this level playing field. Again, I know you and Vines and, and Araujo, who's been in a couple of camps, will come in with a little bit of sort of built-in, you know, data that Berhalter has on them. Ferreira the same. He was in the uh, last January camp, but but it it really does feel like it can be anyone's anyone's spot to take. Do you? Uh, let me ask a couple more questions about the about the grown-up roster. Are you bothered by Roldan's presence? Is the meritocracy? threatened by him <laughs> no i i'm not and and i think Roldan, uh you know again I, i've pointed this out before as much as he seems like a a, a nothing kind of a player i that, that sounds really harsh but in the international sense uh for the men's national team i feel like no one thinks about him <laughs> like you don't you just don't think about him being a key piece of the team um but he still had more center midfield minutes than than any other player except weston mckinney last year i think is is how it went in 2019. I should 2019, say. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know he was a big piece of Greg Berhalter's first year, and I actually kind of think rolled on um, very similarly to how I think of Nick Lima, in that I think that he is very much uh, a placeholder, a stand-in. And whereas in Nick Lima's case, we had the emergence of Serginho Dest, we had uh, Reggie Cannon progressing. I guess people would say, um, and he's essentially no longer needed. We don't need someone to stand in on that role. We have. Uh, we have the players now, and I think we're just, I think Berhalter is probably just waiting until he's comfortable with uh, the guys who are going to take over Roldan's role. I don't think Roldan is going to be uh, a central piece of the qualifying roster. I mean, maybe if we're rotating a lot of guys, he could he could see uh, some call-ups, but I think he's probably going to be phased out the same way Lima has apparently been phased out. He's by all accounts coachable and a good locker room presence and knows Berhalter at this point pretty well. So probably yeah. all those things help when you're putting a camp together. What about Josie's health? Is he, is that something he can do something about or is it just like, I, I guess, I, I guess my question is, is there a sense in which you could say, Hey, Berhalter could get to Josie and say, Hey Josie, we really need you in the next two years. Can you, uh, you know, do something differently in your, in your regi- in your health regime to like s- keep your hamstrings intact, or is it just like this is who this is what this is Josie's cross to bear at this point? 
It's it's got to be the second piece, and and you know I think that when Josie's healthy, I still think he's he's going to be a useful player for the way we're trying to play, um, in in both the press and in our possession uh, build up game. Um, the the concern I have is definitely the health, and what I think happens is like what will be uh, important, not necessarily over the next year, but as we get closer to 2022, if he's trying to fight for a spot on the on the World Cup roster is. You know, it's easy to to bring Josie Altador to a qualifier weekend or week because if he gets hurt, you just call a new guy up. I don't know how it's going to go for Josie as we actually get to the World Cup if he still has those ambitions and he's still playing at a high high enough level because that becomes a, a pretty big risk if you take a player as injury prone as he is to a tournament where you can't replace him when he gets hurt. So that's that's sort of my big picture Josie thing is that for for individual like one-off qualifier games, windows, if he's healthy and he's still doing really well, you bring him and you don't have to ask any questions about his health because whatever, he's either, he's either there or he's not. As we get closer to the tournament a year and a half from now, two years from now almost, um, if he's still sort of in that picture, then then the question becomes more relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had that happen in 2014, right? We, we brought him, he got hurt in the early stages of the first game, wasn't it? Yeah, very first game. And... 20 minutes in, devastating. We would have won that World Cup if, he'd... <laughs> if we'd, we could have planned a little better for that too, because he's he's gone down in gold cups, uh, at least a gold cup, I guess I should say. But uh, yeah, it's it's just a in a in a like six week four week tournament uh, where you're where you're hoping to play seven games. There, yeah, there is that sort of roster construction risk. Yeah, could have planned better. I guess Jurgen was just sort of trying to bend reality to his own will. There, <laughs> something a lot of us are guilty of these days. Um, okay. So should we get right into the U23 roster? Yeah, let's do it. I should mention, you know, if you want like a really deep dive on this roster and every player involved and, uh, Joe Lowry saying the words, he has a lot of qualities that other players don't have, have hear him saying that a lot. You should listen to the total soccer show, uh, <laughs> recap. You should listen to that anyway. It's, it's, a, it's just great, uh, great value. It is. It's a good, it's a good podcast. Um, I'm just teasing you, Joe, by the way. Uh, so the U23 roster goalkeepers are JT Marcinkowski, Markinkowski, Marchinkowski, who knows, David Ochoa and Brady Scott. And yeah, uh, basically the sum total of our available U23 goalkeepers, uh, with the exception, I think of Klinsman, who's, who's just going to stay on vacation, uh, and I don't, I don't expect any of the three to necessarily even get called up to the Serbia roster. Yeah, I'm a big fan fine, of fine with Turner and Johnson. Yeah, uh, left back Sammy Vines, George Bello. That's cool to see him get his first, uh, his first call up. Rewarded for I think a, a fairly strong year for Atlanta United, despite their struggles as a club. Chris Gloucester, who has lately been out of the, mostly out of the lineup for young PSV. So we're not talking about like is he gonna make a first team appearance at PSV. We're talking about is he gonna play for the for the reserve team. So go ahead. Now PSV have essentially released him. Uh, he was listed as one of eight players who they are basically saying you are free to leave. Like I don't even think that anyone would have to come in and buy him. He is he is done. They they have no plans for him. Mm. So Gloucester's hope here in this camp is to essentially do what Yanez did in the 2020 January camp which is to beat out a couple of players who are getting first-team pro minutes uh, 
for for a spot on the team and maybe even a start. And I have no idea how likely that is because I, like everyone else, has not seen Chris Gloucester play soccer uh, in about eight months. Yeah, it's too bad that he didn't. It didn't work out for him at PSV. I mean, it's a it's a cutthroat business, but. Maybe he comes back and plays for Red Bulls in New York. Do they, they, I assume they would have his discovery rights or, you know, whatever the Byzantine legal terminology is. <laughs> right backs are Julian Araujo, Brian Reynolds, and uh, and Aaron Herrera. So there weren't really any. There weren't really even any youth snubs on the left back side. Um, if you want to talk about the U twenty three snubs. Kyle Duncan, who was in the December camp and and played, oh, I guess I guess we could say Marco Farfan since he played in the December camp as well at left back. Uh, Farfan yeah. and Duncan not called into this camp. I'm not really losing much sleep about any of the U23 omissions because their spots went to other U23 players. Speak for yourself. I haven't slept in weeks <laughs> over Duncan's omission. Oh, in days. Um, yeah, Araujo should be mentioned. Araujo was the the starting right back in the December game thought he you know to the extent that anybody played well i thought he played well i know you kind of disagreed with me on that you thought he had some a lot of rough moments he did he did he did uh and then reynolds we should mention you know rumored to be headed to roma we even did a podcast kind of about that and then rumored to go to juventus and go on loan and none of that has happened and we don't really know what's going on no but it seems like the fact yeah the fact that he's here would suggest that they're i mean i guess they could always just you know, whisk him away from the Florida camp. But the fact that he's here for a, a scheduled three-week camp uh, <laughs> would at least suggest that there isn't a move imminent. He's not, he's not like he doesn't have his plane ticket bought for February 2nd to, to go join the team that he's already signed for, I would imagine. Yeah. That's kind of a bummer, but uh, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll really impress in this camp and get a chance to play against Serbia, Serbia's C team. And then... <laughs> Center backs, uh, Kessler. What's Kessler's first name? I'm just going to say Henry, but that's not correct. <laughs> You're thinking of Henry Kissinger. <laughs> uh, uh, Kessler, Miles Robinson. Uh, Mar- <laughs> Henry Kessler. Okay. Eat it, Bells. You got it. Mauricio Pineda, and then Abubakar Keita. I'm excited to see Keita there, just on a personal level. Remember how rough it was for him against the... Um, against the French U-20 national team in the World Cup. And he, uh, I remember I sent him a direct message. I said, don't, this is back when I actually communicated with players. Uh, (laughs) I said, don't, you know, don't get down. I thought you've been, I I thought you've been playing pretty well. And he like, he was, you know, he really appreciated that message. And so I've been rooting for him ever since, you know? Yeah. And that's amazing because I think, I think a lot of people just kind of, no, I don't want to say dismissed, but we're essentially so indifferent to him uh, as a pro. Like it was just like, okay, well now, now we're going to focus on Richards and McKenzie's return to health, uh, and Cato will probably s- slide back into sort of USL obscurity. Uh, but he's he's making uh, he's making a bit of a run for it with Columbus MLS he's got Cup a, winner he's got a trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's exciting. I think you know, and he's left footed, which is kind of rare in our pool. Although Mark McKenzie has a great left foot for a center back. Um, Kessler, I believe Kessler left footed as well. Okay, Kada, and then Kada is also, you know, he's a he's a good athlete. We'll see. I, I I have I have hopes for him. Who are the omissions at center back? So Justin Glad is just another one who was in January camp last year. In the December camp, um, just doesn't seem. And then and then left off this one. Seems like he's just sort of not impressed with 
with the time he's had so far with Berhalter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Because because he's vastly more experienced than, than Keita at this point, and most of these guys, to be honest. I mean, he has a lifetime of minutes at center back <laughs> for RSL. Uh, at uh, midfield, sort of the the deeper lying midfield position, we have Jackson Ewell, aforementioned, and then Andres Perea. And so, uh, so I kind of put these guys as the, as the deeper midfielders, but again, it could be there could be a lot of uh, wiggle room with all the center mids and where they'd play. Uh, the guys that I feel like were left out here would be James Sands, who I know was injured at the end of MLS season. Uh, but I'd heard that he was working his way back, even even potentially to get in for the CCL match uh, back in December. That didn't happen. Um, so it could be injury-related, or he might just not be rated, or New York City might not have released him. Um, and then Frankie Amaya, who, again, was called up to the December camp, unfortunately contracted COVID uh, and, and missed that, and then not called into this camp. Mm. Yeah. And then, I mean, Sands, Sands is, especially if we have shifted to a midfield where we don't require our six to ping balls into the corner with regularity sands is someone i'd i would like to get more of a look at um, yeah i'm really hopeful that we get to see sands at some point soon relatively soon yeah and then uh those sort of more presumably more advanced midfielders would be tanner tessman eric williamson brian ko and hasani dotson yeah and the uh the i guess omissions you'd call them here uh paxton pomacall who is injured still for FC Dallas. Uh, Keaton Parks, another New York City guy who I continue to be really interested in seeing with the national team, um, but again, hasn't really been called into any camp, so either New York City doesn't play ball or, again, just not rated. It's it's most likely the second thing. I know New York City uh, celebrates Sean Johnson's inclusion in these camps, so uh, it's it's probably just Keaton not being on the high enough on the depth chart. Um, I put Gianluca Busio on here because I, th- I think he is a good pressing midfielder and he'd fit in well with what we're trying to do. Uh, I'm hopeful to see him, you know, down the line. Um, and then I threw Aiden Morris and Brandon Cervani on here too, just because they also exist. Yeah. I mean, under 20. and there seem to be an opposite trajectory. Cervani didn't have that great of a year for Dallas. I don't think he played that much. And then Aiden Morris, you know, started and went the full 90 and played well in the MLS Cup final. Which I guess I guess you could say those are different trajectories. <laughs> uh, the the and which Columbus, as you all know, won emphatically over the Seattle Sounders. Um, I'm trying to think if the, I mean Ko's Ko's interesting. He's I guess he's got time away from Wolfsburg too this month. Yeah, and they released him last year too for the January camp. Um, I think they they seem to be fairly cooperative. They they released Yanez and Ko last year, That's so. Right. Uh, so yeah, so this will be this will be another fun one to see whether or not uh, he's like progressing or or how close he is. Um, it's going to be tough to get into that senior squad, I think, given that Legette is probably a locked on starter, uh, and Burhalter definitely definitely values uh, rolled on. Remember when we used to refer to uh, the Tanner Tessman games? Or <laughs> MLS's back semicolon yeah. tournament was officially renamed the Tanner Tessman games. <laughs> And then officially unnamed that as FC <laughs> Dallas could no longer compete in the competition. I, that's Tessman's right. my dark horse here. Still, I I hope Tessman starts opposite Legette in the in the Brendan Aronson role. Okay. And I and I hope that he controls the game more than Brendan Aronson has. Wouldn't for the not a high bar, not a high bar. 
and then Williamson, I, I, we should mention, you know, he, he had a good year for, for Portland, the Portland Timbers. He, he also contributed some top-line stats in this season. I don't know exactly, but he had a few goals and a few assists on the year. So that's kind of interesting. He didn't look like, you know, watching him at the U-20 World Cup in 2017, he didn't look like somebody who was ever going to, like, sniff the goal. But here we are. He's a solid contributor in MLS. Now, okay. Yeah, there's no reason There's no reason he couldn't beat out a, a Kellen Acosta for a roster spot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that with that. And then wingers, we have Georgie Mihailovic, uh, Cade Cowell, Jonathan Lewis. And who's this fourth name you got here? Uh, Benji Michelle, am I saying that right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't watch a lot of Orlando. Yeah, neither do I. And then the omissions are who? So the in- in- omissions here would be Efra uh, Alvarez, who was in December camp, um, un- ineligible to play at the moment, would need to file a switch. Um, didn't so so wasn't on the on the roster for the for the El Salvador match. Caden uh, Clark, New York City Red Bull. Is that what they call themselves, the New York City Red Bull? Uh, Phenom. Uh, Cole Bassett uh, from the Colorado Rapids, who I, I still lump in in this sort of a front-line player. Rather, I mean, I mean, no, he, he's not technically a winger, uh, but the way we play, I could see him fitting in here. Um, and, then, and then I threw Jose Gallegos, Jose Gallegos on here. I love because it. Because life is short. Yeah, right. Hopefully Gallegos... Uh... I don't know, has a better year in USL and gets a move or even better gets a move before the season starts. San Antonio just moved a guy, right? Didn't they just uh, maybe, I don't even think sold is the right word. I think a player just went from San Antonio to a team in Portugal. Oh, was it that other 10? That other 10 of theirs? Uh, I forget his name, Christian something. Well, we'll we'll definitely not fact check that, but it will be fact checked somewhere out in the ether. Yeah, thank you for listening to this past twenty seconds where we provided <laughs> zero information. Uh, and then finally, striker uh, Jesus Ferreira, Daryl DK, and Jeremy Abubase. Uh So the guys left out, if you want to call that, Io Akinola is with Canada training uh, mm, through boo. their January camp. <laughs> he would need to file a one-time switch to appear for Canada since he is provisionally captied by way of the U20 CONCACAF championships, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I threw Ricardo Pepe on here because I was actually hoping that he would be in this camp. Uh, he was not called into this camp and has subsequently joined five other FC Dallas players to go train uh, with Bayern Munich for a few weeks. That's cool. That, that, that works just as well. A big breakout year from Ricardo Pepe this year would be very good. Ferreira, like Ferreira has, did not have a good year. Is that fair to say? It is, and and I actually really appreciate that he's on this roster because of that. Because, uh, as you know, I'm someone who very much values uh, performance with the national team ahead of performance with the club. If there's a if if Berhalter thinks that you can perform for the national team, it feels like he's willing to sort of look past struggles with the club. Uh, Sebastian Legette is a guy who has been hit or miss with his club for a lot of his career, um, and he has always been good for the national team. Uh, so he seems to sort of be that uh, that sort of player who creates that genre of of pool player, and I'm hoping that Ferreira uh, will be similar, where Nobody. he just can step in, do the job that Berhalter wants, and then whatever. If SC Dallas are using him poorly, that's their problem. Nobody loves America more than first and second generation immigrants. That's well, why, that's why Legette performs so well. <laughs> 
let me throw let me also while we're at it throw Dwayne Holmes into that list because he is uh falling out of Darby County's lineups. Yeah, man. What a sad trajectory there. Um and then DK, you know, DK is I, I know he, he's not an analytics success story, but in terms of like highlights and the eye test, he looked really good this year for Orlando City. And then I think Abobase had his best year of production ever. And um, you know, being rooted along, cheered along vigorously by Matt Doyle. Doyle loves his set piece uh potential, which yeah. isn't nothing. No, it's not. So yeah, we have a we have a great uh group of players to to supplement the grown ups with and um it again there's just it's really hard to think of a ten selections from this group that you'd be like, ah, this sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd be happy with everybody, basically, anybody, even Ferreira, because I feel like I'm sort of the last, the last person still on the Ferreira train. That's a good point. Not Ferreira. I'd rather it be DK and and Gibo. All right. Well, I'm I'm hoping Ferreira starts. Whoever it is can only go thirty minutes. Whoever it is of those three, there's you know statistically a high percentage chance that they start the game because Josie will probably be hurt. No, I want Ferreira for the false nine meltdown that will ensue. Okay. Um, a lot of these names, I guess in, to sum up for me, a lot of these names are pretty far down the depth chart, so I'm just sort of in let's see what happens mode. I'm not, I don't feel passionately about much of it. It's it's nice to be here, right, where there mm-hmm. isn't a ton of urgency to like we have to identify players this month because, because we have no one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we're essentially... Re- I feel like a lot of these guys are auditioning to replace the fringe uh, that had established itself from 2019. The so fringe all those guys elements? We, yeah, the fringe elements. Uh, all those guys who had been uh, mainstays through all of 2019 that we talked about, you know, the, the love it says and the traps, like they could easily be just sort of out of the picture now and we're, we're identifying the best 23s out of the domestic pool to take over for them and be the new fringe elements. Yeah. But now we're excited about them, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it's a different it's a different place to be. I mean, I guess the urgency for me is is uh, watching Werder Bremen on Saturday mornings to see if J- Josh Sargent turns the corner. You know, <laughs> like that's honestly that's where like that's like the most urgent thing in the pool for me at this point. I know uh, I'm I'm super optimistic that our strikers are going to feast this year, whether it's Josh Sargent or anyone else. So tell I, t- tell me why. Tell me why. It's the press. It's the high press. We are we are going even like a. I don't mean to say even Giazzi Zardes, but uh, like as much as I went on about Zardes being a terrible fit uh, for the way we played in 2019, where everything was a like half court offense, very methodical and deliberate, um, and he's just the wrong guy to be the the one of the big important pieces of that. Uh, as we move and shift into this new style where we generate a lot of chances from a press. Jazzy Zardes is going to love that. He's going to he's going to be always be in the right spots, and he's going to poach a half dozen goals, you know, every every window. So, uh, I think we've already seen how how successful our strikers can be in, you know, in between the the friendlies over the winter. Uh, we're I think we're they're going to score goals for fun against these weaker teams. Yeah, I could see Zardes doing. I'm still still not sure Sargent will be the be in the right spots. <laughs> That's why we watch on Saturday morning. That's why we watch at the Wesser Stadion. Well, it's going to be Ferreira. It's going to be Ferreira scoring these goals. Yeah. 
on you mean uh, you mean the whole year? Is that what you're all talking? All year, all of 2021. Good grief, that's not true. Um, anything else? I'm not. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm excited for the possibility of Jesus Ferreira, U.S. Men's National Team forward. Well, no, that's it. That's it. That's my. That's my optimism. Okay. I I know I I promised our patrons that we were gonna do the top forty episode soon and um my apologies for breaking that promise it just we just y'all, couldn't we couldn't get it y'all done. can y'all can blame me for that I've actually been like Wells we have to push it till after the January camp I don't want to do it and then get all this new new ranking information and new uh, new video right before we right before we rank everyone so I want to rank everyone after we get this camp in yeah we'll so we'll get to it uh, yeah after this. Supposed Serbia friendly, and um, we'll have I other. Po- I won't be doing. I won't be doing a Serbia deep dive the way the way I did for El Salvador. So you're probably going to have to get that from Total Soccer Show or any of the other outlets that do deep Serbia dives. Why? What? This is news to me. You're not going to be doing a deep dive. I mean, I will. I will say that the, I will know enough to say which of their top players are not even available, but I will not know where their domestic talent plays. Or what position they play? Oh, I see. Else. Like a scouting report of Serbia. Yeah, there won't is be not a in the offing. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll 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 get something together for next week. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, what else? The you know if you if you're on Patreon and you don't often check it, go check out the top five moments of you of 2020 that I put together. Nice little video, and um. Yeah, McKenny's McKenny's getting his name in for 2021 with his goal against AC Milan. So it was just this like, uh, if you're on Twitter, it's just this like mad rush of video of like a, a siege of our nation's capital. Like he scored the third goal uh, in the three-one win over AC Milan at the San Siro. So cool, cool Weston McKenny stuff. So yeah, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see ya.